your Bibles this morning? Amen. Let's make our declaration this morning. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. And I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, I thank you. We're hungry to know your truth for our life. We're hungry to receive what you have for us. We want your engrafted word planted into our lives, Father, so it produces a life that it contains, living in us and flowing through us. So we open our heart to your word and the work of your Holy Spirit today. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Again, welcome everybody joining us online. And uh, I'm going to give you a little introduction. You have an outline that we'll get to here in a moment. Uh, let me just do this before. I have no idea where these keys came from. They showed up in my truck. But if this, these were your keys and uh, your neck has a purple key and then a house key, it goes to something. This one lights up if you need. So if you're missing your key light, whatever. So those are there. If you know who those are or those belong to you. Amen. Hallelujah. And uh, no charge for that announcement. Hallelujah. Let me ask you this question. So I'm going to give you an introduction, then we'll get your outline here in a moment. Uh, if you guys can put up. So the question is, what is the church? What is the church? And if you asked, if we went around this room and asked, I think we'd get a lot of different answers to what the church is or what the people expect the church to be and to do. Do you agree? So let's just do this because we'll, we'll do school. So we'll just kind of ask this and you can kind of shout it out. What should the church be? Huh? Okay, the functioning body of Christ. Don't read the notes and give answers. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> but okay, think of some of the things that people think the church should be or the church should do or what they expect from the church. Pardon? Fellowship, okay. Place to help me find my faith. Very good. Place to learn, amen. Be educated to grow, good. Amen. Pardon? A safe place, very good. Uh, those are good. I, I, I was hoping you guys would be more uh, carnal. <laughs> Free babysitters, there we go. And people, people do, VBS, is that some place I can drop my kids off for a week of babysitting for free? Um, <laughs> Amen. Uh, people, but people want the church to be comfortable. They want the church to be air-conditioned. So I'm thinking, but people, what, what do people expect? So think of all the expectations we have when we come to a place called the church. They want to build it. They, they want it in a convenient location. I don't have to go too far to be a part of it, but think of all the things that we think that have nothing to do with what the church really is. And then there are other people, and so there, but, but there's a lot of areas, and I mean that, there's a lot of areas because we live in a, in a consumer culture. It's hard for us not to come with a consumer mentality to the church. And God never intended that the church would be something we consume it would be something that we become a part of and contribute to on every level. It's nice to have a facility. It's nice to have air conditioning. Can you say amen? amen. It's nice to have something soft to set your derriere on. Isn't that nice? It's nice that we bought the wide body chairs. 
Some people put you in those little dinkies there. We put we gave you space. Amen. We all we gave you room to grow. Glory to God. But in all of that, what is the church and what is it supposed to be? And this is what I think. So if we look at put the next slide up if you would for me. So the church is those of us and made up of everybody who comes to the cross. Through Christ and what He did on the cross, everybody, we become a part of the church by going to and through the cross. Amen? That's where it begins. Secondly, the church then, go ahead with the next one guys, is a building that is made up of everybody who's been to the cross and come together. So we create this building that we come together. And Scripture gives us, those. I'll give you in a moment, it gives us two illustrations. It talked about the church as a building, but then it also shows that we come together. And then the third one is, the Bible says in Ephesians 4 that we are then jointly framed and fit together, that we're supposed to have connection one with another, things that we say. And then the last one is, is that, one more guy, is that you and I are now a part of the body of Christ and each one of us is a part of it. So we come together, meaning there's nobody insignificant in the body of Christ. So all the consumer things that we look for, so people are, do you have a place for my kids? Do you have this? Does the church offer this? Can the church help with that? I think the church should do And we think about all the social and community events that we should do, and we want the church to meet all of these different certain needs, but it only does that as we come together as the members of the body of Christ, and each one contributes. Amen? And, and, and then taking that from there, it's not about what we bring to it out of our own strength and ability. It's about what God equips us to be as a functioning member of the body of Christ. Amen? So this is what I think. What's happened over time is there's been a continual deterioration and the loss of the understanding of being a part of the body of Christ. Amen. How many of you are glad that your members don't just take off on their own? Your arm decides it no longer wants to be connected. Or I'm just going to take, you know, I'm glad that my arm, my right arm didn't say, hey, you know, I'm going to take a few months off. I've been connected to you my whole life. Amen? So, but, but, but listen, we've, it, there's been a deterioration and a loss of the understanding of being a part of the body of Christ. Yes, we're saved individually. We all come individually as we showed through the cross. But we're not saved to live as individuals. But you live in a culture, I shared with you last week, some of the things about culture, how it affects us, where we start over here and then gradually we just start moving towards the other side. And then scripture says we go back to our first love. So we're saved individually, but we're not saved to live as individuals. Rather, we're saved to live as members of his body. The moment you get saved, you're baptized into the body. We cover all this. The one thing the devil fears the most, he doesn't fear us standing up for our rights. He doesn't fear us being politically active. He doesn't fear us. You have to understand, the devil is the god of this world. The world is under the full control of the devil. Which is why in it will, until Jesus comes back, and then the final second coming and deals with the world and finally brings an end to his rule and reign. 
Amen. We are taken out of that kingdom and brought into the kingdom of God. Though, so we are in the world, but we are not of the world. Are you doing all right? Now, in doing that, that doesn't mean we're not involved, we don't live responsibly, but when it comes to be the body of Christ, something we get so many things commingled that we lose our true identity. So the one thing the devil fears the most is the body of Christ being jointly framed and fit together, edifying itself in love, with each member functioning in their set place and flowing in the power of their gifting and endowment and contributing to the need of the whole body, walking in the unity of the faith together, with a mature understanding of the Word of God and no longer being blown about by the deceiving winds of false doctrine. Would you agree? That's what I say. We can go into school for a little bit and teach a little bit. Have you put your thinking cap on in this area? So, that, as I said, there's two images that are given in Scripture to the church. One is a building we showed and a building that is being built to gather to assemble. So this building was assembled together, every part in there. And so when you come to put things together in doors over here, if you leave screws out, well, you know, it calls for eight screws in those hinges, four on each side, but we probably only need one on each side. Amen? And so, you know, they'll still swing on there and doing that. There, there's three hinge pins on there. We could probably get by with one hinge pin. How many would want to be in a building built like that? Amen? No, it wouldn't be safe. And so we, you need everything, every member, every part of that to come together. And then it's referred to as a body that is being formed for function and purpose to be fulfilled. So we're a body, it's a building that's made together for assembly. And the reason we have building, uh, uh, lately there have been people and and there always has been a little bit, but attack against what people would call organized religion or the church, or church doesn't need that. But how many know that, that if we're reaching anybody for Christ, and we just said, okay, we're not going to have buildings anymore, we're just going to meet in everybody's home, how many know every home only has a capacity? And so then as you get more people, what this is, we just made a bigger living room to have a bigger home fellowship. Are you doing all right? So that's we're coming together for the same purpose. But as you get more people and you're trying to get everybody together, how many know it's more fun with more? It's just more fun with more than it is with less. So to bring people together. So with that comes all the things that come with a building and with a body. But both are for the purpose. Get this. Whether it's a building or a body, Scripture shows that they are both for the purpose of being filled with the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Go in your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 2. And if you hear criticism, if you hear on the news, on the media, when it talks about the church and there's criticism of the church, it's always based upon what the church should be doing, what it should be engaged in, what it should be involved in. But it's never about the church of what God designed it to be. And the world will never understand the church. And I heard a statement the other day, and then I reposted it in there and I put it out, is that the church will never fit into the form that the world has for it. You will never fit into the concept. We're not made to fit into the concept of what the world thinks we should be. Amen? The church is to declare to the world who God is. 
Amen. Not try to conform God to the world. Ephesians 2 says this, beginning, if you would, in verse 19. Therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of what? The household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ. So watch, this is something being built. It's a structure being built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, their teaching, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, having been uh, in whom, watch this, the whole building being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a habitation of God by the Spirit. Amen. So if you look at it like that, every one of us is a part of the body of Christ, a part of the structure of this body of Christ. And, and when we assemble correctly, then we create a habitation for God to manifest Himself by His Spirit. And that's the reason for coming together that we'd be a part of it. But the world tells us, and we live in a culture that says, well, I'm not significant. It doesn't make a difference if I go, if I don't go, if I miss or I do or whatever. And so we have this mentality that as individuals, we're really not significant to the body of Christ. And if you live by that, you bought the number one lie of the devil. The devil does not want the body of Christ to come together. The devil does not want this spiritual dwelling place to be built that God can inhabit by His Spirit. He doesn't want you functioning in God's purpose and plan for your life. He wants you out there wandering as a lone stray and an easy prey for Him. Amen. But the mentality of our world today and in church culture is that I'm not significant. I don't make a difference whether I'm there or not. And I'd like to debunk that lie if that's alright with you. Amen. So why? So they're both for the purpose. And then the other is, if you would go to chapter 4, Paul covers both areas in chapter 4. He says this, <coughs> talking about the purpose of the ministry gift that we'll get to. So when he says that God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, start with me in verse 12 in chapter 4. He says this, For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of what? The body of Christ. So we go from the structure, the church being identified as a building, as a temple, as a, as a habitation for God by His Spirit. And now Paul says, hey, wait a minute, that we are now, these gifts are given to us, and these ministry gifts are given to us for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now watch this, till we all come to the unity of faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, one man, one body, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now let me just say, I'm just going to interject this right here for a moment, because Friday night we had uh, uh, Rennell and Coleman and some of the worship leaders and churches have been coming together Friday night. We met at New Hope this coming uh, August, the first Friday of August, we're going to be here. But what's awesome is, is that our churches in our community are coming together because we're all the body of Christ. And so we're coming together and we're having worship nights together where our congregations are coming together, worship teams are being built out of the church, but we're coming together and we're worshiping because we're all growing up into one perfect man. We're all growing up into Christ. So watch it. Into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Oh, excuse me. Till, till we all come to the union of faith, Son of God, to the measure 
to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that you would be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men, the cunning craftiness by which they lie in wait to deceive. But look at verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into Him. So our goal is for all of us to grow up into Christ, who is the head, Christ. From whom, watch this, the whole body joined and knit together by what? What's the next verse? What's it say? By what every joint supplies. So the whole body is knit together by what every joint, every member, every part supplies. And what does that do? According to the effective working by which every part, what? Does it share. So church was never meant to be a spectator sport. It was never meant to come in and receive and go out. It's meant for connection, for participation, and for contribution. So my Christianity, if my Christian definition of Christianity and being a believer and being in Christ and being a member or part of a church isn't defined by connection, by contribution, by participation, then I have a false doctrine about what it means to be a Christian. And people go, well, I went to church, but I didn't get anything out of that. You don't go to church to get something out of it. You go to church to get some, sow something into it. God made us, he, he made us in a way that we're put in, so we are contributors, we are not takers, we are contributing. And then we live by the law of sowing and reaping. Church is just like marriage. People say, well, I just don't get anything out of my marriage anymore. Well, you're probably not sowing anything into it, Bubba. You only reap what you sow. If you feel like there's no harvest and nothing coming back, it's because you've been taking without sowing and nothing's been planted, so there's no harvest coming up, so you have a barren field. Glory to God. It doesn't matter what it is. We live, everything about our life is to live off of the harvest of sowing. You live by the principle of seed, time, and harvest on every area of your life. Amen. I watch it on jobs. People get excited. Here, somebody gets a new job. Man, I got a new job. And they get a new job. They're showing up early. They're getting there. They're contributing. They're staying a few minutes late. They're helping out on things that they're not being asked to. They're, they're sowing into that job. Then after a while, they get complacent. They're no longer excited about their job. They're just taking everything for granted. Then person, you know, not only are they not excited about it, now they're grumbling about it. And now they're showing up 10 minutes late and trying to leave 20 minutes early. And they don't help it. That's not my part. I'm not required to do that. I don't do that. And so next thing you know, they, they've lost the excitement. There's no harvest there. There's no more joy there. That'll happen on a job. That'll happen in a marriage. And that'll happen in a church. That's just good preaching this morning. I hope it's helping you. Amen. So watch this. So think about it. Those two illustrations, both are given for the purpose of being filled with the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. They are both living entities, the building and the body. They are not physical structure, they are living entities. This church, this is the structure that we assemble together in, and the church meets inside this building. This building is not the church. This is the place where the church assembles itself. And if we assemble properly, God will manifest Himself in our midst. Amen. It's so good. So both are living entities made alive by the Holy Spirit. 
to accomplish God's eternal purpose in the earth. And the two are to be joined together as one. We don't major in the church or in the body. We join the two together. We major in two becoming one, fulfilling God's purpose in the earth. Amen? So let me talk to you just, just about a moment for, about why it's important to be born again. Maybe you're here today, maybe you're watching online, and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Let me just give it to you as clear as I can. In this area, if you have not accepted Christ as your Savior, then you are not free. Till you give your life to Christ, you are not free. Because you're under the power of the God of this world. You're living under the control and influence of the God of this world, of Satan and his rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness. When you are saved, turn your Bibles with me to Colossians chapter 1. When any person gets saved, something amazing happens. Colossians chapter 1 gives us the best definition of it, a clear definition of it. When you are saved, you are taken and translated out from under his authority, the devil's authority and rule, and you're placed under the covering of the Lord Jesus Christ in his kingdom. And you're set, the moment you're saved, you're set and baptized into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. Colossians chapter 1 and beginning in verse 11, giving, verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in life. Now watch it. Verse 13, and has delivered us from the powers of darkness and translated us, that word translated there literally means transferred us, into the kingdom of the Son of His love. So He's taken us out from under the powers of darkness, brought us out and brought us into the kingdom of His Son. So now I live under the covering and the protection. The moment you get saved, you live under the covering and the protection of God. That's what I mean. I'm in the world, but bless God, I'm no longer under the world. I live in covenant with God. His protection, His provision, and His Word is over me. Could you shout Amen. Those who abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That's where we live. Well, people say, well, I don't know if I need to get saved. Well, then you're living over here and somebody else is controlling your life. And that is the devil. I mean, the Bible says that, that the enemy blinds their minds to keep them from receiving the truth. Amen. So watch it. So here we go. So where do we start? So in starting this and kicking this off, how could we start this? And I might get to your outline, I might not. First of all, I've been preaching now since 1981. Soon I started ministry in August of 1981. So this year is, what, 42 years that we've been full-time ministry. And so in studying the Word, and then at Bible school before that, so in all the time that I've been saved, got saved in 78, so these 45 years that I've been saved serving the Lord, this is what I believe through my study. Number one, every person is born on purpose and for purpose in God. Every purpose is, person is born on purpose and for purpose in God. We are born with the measure of faith and the grace endowment from the Father to enable us to accomplish His purpose in our life. And we're going to talk about this in a moment. Romans chapter 12 tells you the grace gift that you have received from God. Secondly, the moment you're born again, we become partakers of the divine nature. The moment you accept Christ as your Savior, you're born again. The Holy Spirit comes in you, and when He comes in you, He comes with His nature. We know it as Christians as the fruit of the Spirit. You're a partaker of that. 
we're born with the measure of, excuse me, and the fruit of God's Spirit is now in us and released through us in transformation and renewal, putting off the old and walking in the new life. Thirdly, the moment we're born again, we're also baptized into the body of Christ in our set position where we allow the Holy Spirit to manifest Himself through our lives for the benefit of others. Amen. How many know every organ of your body doesn't function for itself? Nothing in your body functions just for itself. Nothing. So it's so interesting how we interpret church and seeing that. You, again, it, it takes a real break. When Paul said, that it, it's so, people think, well, I don't understand the Bible, it just doesn't seem relevant. Romans 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God, holy and acceptable to Him. This is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this. Do not be conformed to this. So that's the mindset, the, 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 the thought pattern, and the understanding of this world. But be transformed, be changed by the renewing of your mind. Don't think like the world. Don't let the world set the way you think. But you think the way God has revealed to you how you were created and what you were created for and how you're supposed to truly live. Amen. He said, don't be conformed to that. And so then what that says is that we come in, so I'm glad that my kidneys are functioning for the whole health of my body. Eli was saying when, when they said that, that uh, uh, they found out that he had diabetes, well, he goes in the hospital and his organs are shutting down. And as every organ shut down, every organ that shut down had a deteriorating effect on the health of his whole body. Are you getting this this morning? So if you and I, this is what, you don't make any difference. It doesn't matter if you show up. It doesn't, no, no, that's like your kidney saying, I'll just stay at home today. Amen. And, and, and what's kind of hard for us is this area is that I'm thankful for medical science. But it's always amazed me that they have a list of things that are disposable that we really don't need in our body. You get a sore throat. Well, you have tonsils, but you probably don't need those, so we'll take those out. You have this, and this isn't functioning right. And, and I'm glad they figured out how to help us and keep us healthy. But usually when they take something out, <clears throat> they have to give you a pill or prescription to make up for what they took out. So wait a minute, that means I really wasn't supposed to do without it. You have to give me a supplement to replace what it was supposed to do. Are you getting this? But how many know that, that the supplement is never as good as the original? And so on that part, maybe it would be better if we really found out who we were as the body of Christ and we walked in the authority that we have. Instead of cutting things out, we really believed in the healing power of God. I'm trying to teach, but I'm trying to preach a little bit more. So in this, so number one was we're born with purpose in God. Number two, we receive the divine nature of God. Number three, the moment we're born again, we're baptized into the body of Christ in our set position. Everybody say a set position. So God sets us in the body where we allow. Somebody say allow. So now I allow the Holy Spirit to work through me for the benefit of others. Number four, then there are those to whom Christ has given His gifts, His domas, Ephesians 4, 
for the purpose of leading, teaching, and equipping the members of the body to walk in the fullness of what is theirs in Him and to function properly in the body for the benefit of the whole. So my purpose as your pastor, we'll read these, is that God gave gifts to men and the gift is to help you grow up to the place where you are the healthiest, strongest member of the body that you can be. And when you're living in that fullness and that health in Him, then the body is edified, it's strengthened, and the church becomes strong. Amen. So think about it. And then lastly, number five, is that I believe that every person has a position and purpose in the body of Christ and is needed to make the body complete, whole, and healthy. We are all members of one another. It is not a competition about who is best. You live in a competitive world. I'm kind of competitive myself. I don't like to lose. Amen. I, I don't. And so, in doing that. And my wife is worse than me. You may not know it. <laughs> but she is crazy competitive. If you play dice with her, we play that 10,000 or whatever that, Farkle, whatever that game is, play that. And you play this or you play uh, Monopoly with her, she'll kick your shoe off the board, you do all this stuff. She, and play double solitaire with her. She'll move your cards around. <laughs> Amen. And the grandkids goes, how come Nana's always wins? I said, because she chates. <laughs> no, she's competitive. No. But, but we all have that nature. We all want to win. We all want to strive. We all want to do. But in there, when it comes to God, there's no competition in Him. There's no when you stand before the Lord, He's not going to stand anybody next to you and measure you by anybody else's accomplishments. Amen. Amen. No member, no, no physical part or member of your body is being compared to any other member. It's not there to compete with the other members of your organs of your body. It's there to complement and make the body whole. And we have to lose the mindset of competition. We have to lose the mindset of being looked over. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Are you doing okay this morning? Hopefully this lays the foundation that you can flow with this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I want to begin in verse 1, then we're going to jump down a few verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. The word ignorant means uninformed. And really in life, there's two ways to be ignorant. You can either be uninformed. I've never been taught. I've never heard anything about that yet. I don't know anything. So I, I'm, I'm just not willfully ignorant, but I just haven't been taught or instructed in that area yet. So, but I want to know about it. And then there's this other area about here. I don't want to hear anything about that. I don't want to know anything about that. I don't have to be accountable for any of that. I choose to be ignorant in that area. I never want to know anything about that. That means I disincline to know. Because I'm afraid if I know, I would be held accountable, and I don't want to be held accountable for anything else. I don't want to be responsible for anything else. So I just choose not to know. I don't want to know about the gifts of spirits, because then I might have to operate in them, and that would make me uncomfortable, and I don't like being uncomfortable, so I choose, no, I don't. Amen? And that's kind of where we are today. You know, we have a lot of two-thirds churches. Say, Pastor, what's a two-thirds church? 
That's a church where we like the Father and the Son, but we don't really care much about the Holy Spirit. Okay? So we're content just with two-thirds of God. But if we let the Holy Spirit in, He messes us up all the time. He does stuff we can't explain. We read this stuff here. That doesn't make any sense. I don't know. I understand how that works and do all this stuff. And so what we'll do, we'll just stay comfortable with two-thirds and hope God won't get real mad at us for putting a third of him on a shelf. Pretty good preaching. Secondly, look at verse 2. You know that when you were Gentiles, you were carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. The word dumb idol there means mute. And I'm reading this because this is what God says. Listen, when it says when we create this habitation for God by His Spirit, how many know God has always spoken to His people? And from the beginning, God created us to be a people that hear His voice. Man was created to hear the voice of God. And God's always been God's purpose that we would hear His voice individually and corporately. And so Paul says, I don't want your, Paul's writing to a church, he's giving them instruction about how they assemble, what's supposed to happen when they assemble, and he's telling them there's supposed to be a manifestation of God in your presence, and when he comes, he's going to come with a voice, and God's voice is going to come through people to you. God has always spoken, your Bible is a book of a record of God speaking to men through men. Every book of the prophet is God's voice coming through a man to his people. Are you with me? And there never was anything in the book where God's voice was to be taken away from his church or out of his body. The body of Christ was never meant to be mute. It was never meant to be without his audible voice in it. So now look at me, because I'm talking about being set in the body. Go down, if you would, to verse... Um, 11. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individual as He wills. Verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. So remember I said the two illustrations, we're a building and we're a body. So look it. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, am I not of the body? Is it therefore not of the body? I mean, no, these are rhetorical questions. No. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where would be the smelling? But look at verse 18. But now God has set the members, each one in the body, just as He pleased. So this is where it's hard for us, especially in American culture. And those of you watching online, this is so hard. This is what's happened. I'm thankful that we are able to be online. But this is what is happening even to the church and our culture doing. Because of technology, I think I can watch that watching is the same as being. Watching something isn't the same as being there. Are you doing all right? 
But there's a lie in our church because I say, I, I don't have to assemble. The Bible says, how is it? It says, Hebrews 10, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Don't say, don't forsake the viewing of yourselves together. Now, I'm not, don't miss that. We, we're going to, we do this. We've been doing it for years, over 10 years. We've been live streaming, going out way before COVID started. We've been broadcasting our services and doing that making things available. Why? Because many times we have people who are sick, people are legitimately not there. Life doesn't mean I'm there every day. How many get what I'm saying? But it, 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 I don't use it as an excuse not to be. It, it, it's not the same as. It's not an alternative and it makes it the same as if I was. Are you doing all right? In dealing with that. So in that area, so he says that we are many... But now God has set each member as he pleased. So God sets us in the body. So I'm set where he put me. I don't get to choose what I want to be. If he makes me a toe, I'm a toe. I'm, I don't know about you. I'm glad I still have all my toes. My toes are important. They give me balance. Amen? Even though you never see them, they're there functioning. And I'm thankful. Are you doing all right? Just because my mouth is most heard by you, it doesn't mean my toes aren't functioning right now. Do you understand what I'm saying? But we think, oh, God hasn't given me an oratory place. He hasn't given me a specific place that, that I get seen. But look what Paul said. And if they were all one member, verse 19, where would, be the, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members and yet one body. Now look at this. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Or what is Paul saying? Every person is important. And the moment you get saved, every one of you has gifts and abilities and talents placed in you by God. God knew you were coming. He knew you'd be born in this generation at this time in His eternal purpose. And He's given each and every one of us something to accomplish. Amen. And we'll break that down as we move forward. Are you doing okay this morning? So look at the rest of what He said. But He said, Verse 22, no much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow a greater honor. And on our unpresentable part, we give greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God purpose composed the body having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. That there should be no division in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. Amen. So what I'm, what I'm trying to teach you and preach about to you through this series will be is that the God is trying to bring His church together and the devil works continuously to bring division and strife and contention. What would it be like if you woke up in the middle of the night and your hands were arguing with each other? You go, what's going on? Well, I just think Lefty gets all the attention. Yeah. It doesn't happen. Amen? 
So watch this. So let me. How many of you have ever heard of a church split? Just think about that. So if the church is a body, just think about splitting a building. Just think about cutting you in half. So I wonder who the author of division and splits is. If God's gone to the whole thing to emphasize to us that we are to be assembled and to be made whole, and we are the one force in the earth, the one place that the devil cannot infiltrate and take over unless he's given the opportunity. How does he get opportunity to come in? Because we listen to his lies and we give place to him instead of resisting him. Instead of fighting to preserve, we listen to the lie. We think about ourselves. So I, I probably get more personal than you want me to get in this. But in this, think about people. Well, I went to that church, but I just didn't feel any love. It wasn't that nobody welcomed me, nobody warned me. How about you being friendly? Yeah. I was that he who shows himself friendly. So what's happened? I'm, I'm gonna. So if if I if, if I go to a place and I come in, I'm gonna see if anybody recognizes. I went there and nobody said hi to. That church has never done anything for. Nobody ever calls. Nobody checks up on. I think this is one way to preach your church down to 10 people. <laughs> but, but what happens if you go in and you start saying hi to people? What happens instead of going to your chair and sitting down and not talking to anybody, you actually go meet somebody? You might find out there's somebody in here that likes what you like. Amen. Maybe you like crocheting butterflies or somebody likes crocheting bumblebees and you guys could create a whole, whole bird or bug thing, man. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, look at the cover of your outline. I got five minutes to give you this. So I did this all as an introduction for this. I want to break down over the next few weeks the gifts and the ministries of the Holy Spirit. You're there in 1 Corinthians 12. Turn back, if you would, to verse 4. Because everything God asks us to be as His church and as believers and as followers of Christ, He equips us to be. We, we don't bring anything to the table except a vessel to be filled by Him. I, I give my life. I bring my life back to him. In the beginning, God formed man out of the dust of the earth. And then God filled what he formed with his life. And through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, <coughs> we are now washed and cleansed and redeemed by the blood where God again can place his life into a holy place. You are now clean enough through the blood, by virtue of the blood, you have been washed and redeemed. And God says, now I can put my life back in you. You will be born again, born of my spirit. 
Which is why Jesus said to Nicodemus, Nick, you must be born again. What's born of the flesh is flesh, but what's born of the Spirit is spirit. And then you and I are called not to walk in the flesh, no longer to live by the dictates of our natural body, but to walk and to live by the life of God that's now in it. To live our life once we're born again from the inside out. Amen. And when you live like that, you live where Paul says, he'd look at that. And, and my grandfather told me before he passed away, we got to spend a few days with him back in 1983 or 1982 and uh, at Thanksgiving. And, uh, and he passed on uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and he passed away Sunday morning. And uh, such an awesome man of God. But while I'm there, he goes, son, hey, there, there, there's one thing you can't pray to stop. I said, what's that, Grandpa? He says, the aging process. Yeah. Amen. But see, in spite of the aging process, you can live with the revelation that Paul had. Because Paul said, though my outward body is perishing... My inward man is being renewed day by day. So you live in a world that's so focused on your outward body, but I've found that if you live by the understanding, I have an inward man on the inside of me, and if I live from the inside out, even my outward body has to conform to what my inward man dictates. Lord of God. So, in looking at this, so Paul says this, he says, about the, about the gifts of the Spirit. So he's trying to bring them into spiritual understanding. Verse 4 says, Now there, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Verse 5, There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all and in all. And then verse 7, get this, But the manifestation of the, what? Spirit is given to who? To every one to profit with all. So who is left out? Nobody. So the Holy Spirit wants to manifest Himself through your life. But then I get back to uninformed and not want to know. Because here's what's happened. I'm sorry, but you're hearing this, and now that you've heard, you know. I'm sorry. Because once you know, you're accountable. And so people go, la, 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 <laughs> la. I don't, don't want to be accountable. But see, for the body to function, and this is what's always, you've heard me say it before, but this is what always gets me so excited. Listen to what God said. God says, the, the word, man, let me just, if you look at the definition of the word manifestation, especially in uh, uh, Vine's Expository Dictionary, New Testament word, it'll say this. Manifestation means expression by extension. Expression by extension. <laughs> God says, I'm going to work in such a way that I'm able to extend my life through my spirit into your life and express myself through you. I said, are you kidding me? Are you serious, God? You, you, you can extend your life into me 
so that you can express yourself. And if I ever get over needing myself to be recognized and just desire to be an expression of himself through my life, it's transformational. Because then I know when I walk in that, that, that I, I could encourage somebody. I could pray for somebody. Just like before service, we're praying in service up here and, and Eli's dad's in the hospital and, and, and uh, Dave went in and he's going through heart surgery. And so uh, uh, Anthony and Eli were up here and Eli was telling Anthony and Anthony goes, well, hey, let's not just talk about it, let's pray about it. So they prayed together right here. And, and so what happened was the body was edifying itself in love because they believed, hey, we could pray together and whatsoever things you ask the Father when you pray, believe that you receive them. So instead of being discouraged, instead of being heavy, you have body ministry taking place right here. Yeah, no one has a title, nobody's being seen, but the body is edifying itself in love. Amen. So, my five minutes is up. <laughs> I just give you the front page and we'll close this morning. The worship team will come back. So what we're after is a proper understanding of the gifts of the Spirit, the ministries of the Lord, the activities of God, and rightly dividing the word of truth so that the church will be what God intended it to be, the church is to be Christ's body in the earth. If you're saved, every one of you look up here. If you've accepted Christ as your Savior, you are a member of His body. Of His body. And He has function and purpose for you. You are significant to the body of Christ as every organ and member of your body. Hallelujah. See, on the day of Pentecost, God launched the church into the earth with power from on high. He declared that He would build His church. So we can conclude that the will of God is for the church to be active, alive, growing, and functioning as He intended it to be. And God breathed His life into the church on the day of Pentecost. People say, oh, on the day of Pentecost, there, first there came the sound as of a mighty rushing wind. What does that mean? On that day... The church was assembled. All that there was was in the upper room. So the church began with just this little small group. And then God said, now that you're together, that's my body in the earth. So I will now breathe my life into the church. Glory to God. And then the church came alive. And the fire of God was upon the church. And the next thing you know, the church went out. And what happened is 3,000 souls were added to the church. So the church grew because God breathed His life into it. Glory to God. Which means we must have a clear understanding of His definition of the church and the knowledge of how He wants it built and how He ordained it to function. The reason I asked you those questions at the beginning is when people think about the church, it's all this that has nothing to do with what you read in Scripture of how the church is to function. 1 Corinthians 14, 26 says this, How is it when you come together, every one of you has something to give? And it brings help and edification to the whole. Think about that how it's supposed to function, and to know how to use the tools and resources He provided for us to build it and equip it to be alive. We are to live by the breath. We live by His breath, and so the church is too. When it comes to gifts and ministry of the Holy Spirit, many times everything gets lumped together and loses distinctive purpose of their identity and operation. 
But through a proper understanding of the gifts and ministry of the Holy Spirit, we can see the triune nature of God revealed. We can see the work of the Father, the work of the Son, the work of the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ, collectively together, making the body complete as one. I'll close with this. There are three areas of equipping in the body of Christ that we just read about. These three is the number of divine completion. We need all three of these areas of gifting and ministry working in the body of Christ today in order for it to be complete and fully function as God has ordained it to function. I'm going to submit something to you this morning and that many times believers operate in the manifestation of God's Spirit and really aren't aware of it. There are times you'll be with somebody and God will give you an encouragement, you'll say something, and you're actually giving them a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, you're exhorting them, you're encouraging them, you're edifying them and building them up. Amen? So you're functioning as a member. But what would happen if we really drilled down and dialed in and really tried to get home things out to where we're aware of what we're doing and we operate out of more awareness instead of just randomness? Amen? I believe the church would be what it's supposed to be. Stand with me this morning. And I'm going to close with this and we'll pick up our lesson next week and go on probably for the next four or five weeks on this and break down all those areas of ministry and gifting and stuff and maybe help us find and solidify our function. But this weekend as I was preparing and getting ready, I just felt this in my heart and then Eli shared it and I almost did it right there at the beginning. But uh, as he said, in this area, there are places in our life as we were singing, even when I... Don't feel it even when I don't see it. God's working. And why don't you just bow your heart with me for a moment. Maybe you're here today and as I said, you've had all kinds of reasons and rationale for why you haven't given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Why you just haven't said yes and come to the cross and laid your life down, presenting your life as a living sacrifice, giving your life to Christ and accepting His resurrection power in your life to raise you up in Him in newness of life. And because you're hesitant, you're still living under the control of the Holy Spirit. Which means you come to church and you hear messages and stuff, but life keeps taking these circles that bring you back to a place where things mess up and things turn around. And you live in this frustration because you're trying to live right, but you can live right dead. You have to die and live in new life. You have to be raised up in Him in newness of life. And so you first have to die to the old man and allow Christ to His resurrection life to bring you alive in Him. And then in newness of life, you move forward and God works on your behalf. You're taken out from under that old power, that control, those old attitudes, those things get broken off of your life. So if that's you today in a moment, I give you opportunity to just move to this altar and say yes to God. But this is what God said, so I prepared this this morning. There's, there, there's cards on each side of this altar. I thought it was awesome when Eli said what he said. But I put these cards on each side of this altar. And I put this wastebasket here. Because there are people here today and you're living under burden. And Jesus said this. He says, come unto me all you who, are, who labor and are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Come and learn of me, for my burden is easy and my yoke is light. Come unto me and you will find rest for your soul. 
There are some of you here today and you just haven't had rest. There's something on your life. It could be an issue that you're going through. It could be a physical condition, an ongoing situation. It could be over a family member. It could be over a financial area. It could be over your marriage, over a relationship or something. But it's just weight. It's just burden that you just can't get. And so Jesus even said it like, or Peter went on and said this, cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. And so as long as you choose to carry that, he won't carry it. Paul said this, don't be anxious, don't worry about anything, but in everything, prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. So I'm just going to open this up for you to do what the Lord gave me to do. If there's a weight, if there's a burden on your life, if there's a care, a care, it's a person, a situation, a physical issue, a relationship issue, whatever that is, you can't fix it. You need God's intervention. I want you to come up here. There's patient paper and a pen. I want you to write whatever it is. I want you to give it to God. I want you to leave it in His hand. And I believe God's going to give you a breakthrough today. Amen. So as they worship, let's sing that song again. When I don't see it, you're working, whatever that is. Let's do that song again. Whatever that is, just move right now. There's four pins up here. Write it down. Give it to God. And then take a moment and say, God, this is yours. I've tried to work it. I've been praying about it. I'm frustrated about it. I've been burdened about it. I've taken away my peace. I'm not able to sleep at night. I don't walk in rest. I'm worn out by it. But Father, today I'm done with it in Jesus' name. I believe you are who you said you are. You said I can come unto you. I can give you my burden. You said you would take it and the anointing would break the yoke off of my life. Father, I pray right now that every yoke, every burden is broken. Lord, as they place those in this bucket today, Father, we're casting our cares upon you. We're not going to carry it. We're not going to work with it. We're giving it to you. We're thanking that you are who you said you are. We don't have to see it. We don't have to feel it. Because you said it, we know it. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Come on, just praise Him. Come on.